0: Channel's called Max and Avery. I'm your host, Max, and I am Avery. How are you guys? All right, we're coming at you on Thursday night this time. Uh, A little, little cold, kind of across the country, but I think mostly in this kind of Midwest region, we are dealing with a little bit of temperature issues. Avery, how are you staying warm out there,
1: dude? It's been snowing nonstop. Like we got another three to four inches tonight, just and it's not even done yet. Same. It's been, yeah, it's been rough. Uh, I'm just ready for the snow to end. I, you know, and it's crazy because like, I'm kind of like, I'm student teaching right now. And so like, I wouldn't mind snow days, but I'm kind of burnt out of like snow days in general. I'm just tired of digging. Dude, I had to dig out a school bus yesterday, right in front of my house. That sucked. I've had to dig out my car.
0: I've had to dig out my car, my girlfriend's car. Freaking, just digging in our parking lot in general. I've done so much shoveling lately. And yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go back to warmer depths. Actually, today, today was the first day we actually got above zero. And it felt great outside. Like, it was like five oh, yeah. degrees. And I was like, oh, man, take
1: the coat off. It is wonderful out here. Just blistering. Well, no. So, it actually got up to 20 degrees here. Like, it was nice. Like, 20 degrees... And then about 3.30 hit and that's when the snow hit and it was like a mixture of snow plus lightning and Mm. blizzard conditions and they call it a snow qual. Never heard of it. They sent an alert out on our phone as an emergency alert like be careful of a snow qual. I had to look it up and I read like a whole ass article on CNN because I was like, what the fuck is a snow qual? Never heard of it before, but you know, here we are.
0: It's like when the derecho went through and everyone's like derecho. What's a derecho? I'd never heard of that shit before, but that was a few years back. No, yeah, we were. I think the high today, we we hit double digits. It was like twelve degrees or something like that. So it felt warm, like it genuinely felt great. Uh, these next couple of days go, we're dropping back down to like single digits, floating around zero, which sucks because we're supposed to have a bunch of recruits on campus the next couple of
1: days. So it's it's gonna be an interesting cold visit for them. <laughs> It's going to really suck. Can you and be like, well, welcome to, most of them probably live in Iowa, so they're used to it.
0: I'd have to see the breakdown. I know I have one kid from Wisconsin. Uh,
1: okay, he's used to it, even worse. For sure,
0: which which isn't that much worse or anything. They're they're dealing with it too. There might be a couple of Texas, there's a couple of Missouri kids. I know there's okay. a couple of Missouri kids, so eh, you're, you're, you're getting warmer that way. So I don't know, maybe they won't love it so much, but I'm sure they deal with once in a while some cold and, This is just like a snap thing. It ain't normal. But let's go ahead and get into the sports that we have going on today. We've got a packed sports news segment. It feels like it's been forever since we recorded. It's only been eight days. That's about normal. I think we just have so much stuff going on that it feels crazy. First thing we're going to talk about, we're going to bring in a little NBA action to you. The Kings head coach, the Sacramento Kings head coach, in their post-game press conference after the Milwaukee Bucks game, after they played them, he actually pulled out his laptop to show two different clips. One clip of a foul being committed against Sacramento that was not called a foul. It was no call. And then the exact same thing being called against the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, Did you happen to watch that game at all? I really haven't watched any NBA.
1: No, I still haven't watched any NBA But I actually love the gutsy and the moxie from the Kings coach to like bring out like legitimate calls and like that the refs missed and like showed the press because that puts a fire under the refs. We talked about how refs can influence a game so many times and to like put them on notice and put them on the spot like in a conference like that is a beautiful thing and it needs to be done by more coaches more often.
0: For sure. And he he was as respectful as he could be with it, you know. Like he commented throughout the press conference, like, refs are people too, mistakes are made, whatever. But he was just trying to air out his frustrations, you know? And yeah, I like I applaud him for it. That's some good shit. I mean, this is kind of the issue we're getting into with being able to find good refs, especially at lower levels. A lot of people aren't refing anymore because Refs always get a bad rap with stuff like that. But at the same time, I don't understand when you're at, like, these, this NBA, NFL, even college football or basketball level, there's video review. Fucking video review shit, you know? Like, that's, that's the stuff to me that if you can plain as day see it on video, like, you got to change a call. I know there's rules against what you can and can't review, but that seems stupid to me. If you can obviously see from a record... Because the NFL, that's a whole job. The whole job in the NFL is they have somebody in the press box just watching every play, and they can call a review from the box. Why can't that person say, yo, there's an obvious pass interference here? Fucking,
1: like, that needs to be a penalty. Right. No, 100%. Well, and even going back to the NFL, like you mentioned, like, it's still – like not always perfect. It's not always going to be a hundred percent accurate, but yeah, the NBA, they really should have that type of thing in the NBA because like, it's not always the same.
0: Definitely. And that's, but yeah, I, I just thought that was super interesting. Like I was seeing it all over the place. King's coach brings out laptop. I'm like, God damn more power to like, it's one thing to send it into the committee. Like it'd be one thing to send it into the uh, NBA and be like, Hey, these refs, but he just called them out fucking publicly, fucking now screw the NBA. They're not going to do shit. Hey, fans, look at this bullshit. I love that. Uh, Speaking of fans, though, and a little bit of bullshit. Next thing we got here, Jerry Krause, former GM uh, from the Bulls back in the 90s. His wife accepted an honor for him, right? Avery, you want to talk about it? I think you got a little bit of a better idea what's going on here with
1: this. For sure, yeah. So Jerry Krause, longtime GM of the Chicago Bulls, he was the one that put together the dream team. He's the one that drafted Michael Jordan. He's the one that drafted Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, and all those guys, right? Uh, He was getting honored um, for all of his accomplishments as being a GM of the Bulls. and. Yeah, he broke up that team a little earlier. He got rid of Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen a little earlier than maybe a lot of people wanted to, but they won six rings, right? Like they won six rings. Like that's, they brought so many championships to the city of Chicago. So of course he should be in the ring of honor. He should be in the Bulls Hall of Fame. Like he's a damn good GM and the Chicago fans. And I hate to say it because a lot of Bulls fans are also Bears fans, They booed. He passed on last year and they booed his wife that was accepting the honor. And she was physically in tears during this uh, uh, memorial of Jerry Krause. She was in tears breaking down at the half court line. And it was just so sad to see because at the end of the day, it wasn't her. Like, I get it. Jerry Krause, you know, you're upset that he broke up the team, but still.
0: Yeah, definitely. That, that's just what sucks about it is I can understand maybe throwing out a boo or two or something like, you know, your fans, he broke up the team early. So, sure, whatever. Um, but also, like, you shouldn't boo. This man got you six rings. You know what I mean? How can you boo somebody that's going to get you six rings and then just be like, oh, he made a couple decisions we didn't necessarily agree with a little too soon? Big fucking whoop, dude. He won six championships. Fucking be happy about it. But that's beside the point because we're not even talking about him right now. We're talking about his wife. His wife is in there to accept her dead husband's honor and everyone is booing her. And it makes it just a million times worse that after seeing how physically upset she is, how like she breaks down crying, like they just keep on going. They just continue to boo on like that that is horrible. That is absolutely atrocious.
1: No, dude, like 100% you are right. Like the sad reality is that he brought six fucking rings and it wasn't even about him. It was about his wife, like you mentioned. And at the end of the day, this isn't something you do like, and you don't keep booing. You don't keep booing. Like you, you notice that, oh, it's his late, wife that are like it she's accepting the honor for her late husband and you stop and you honor it respectfully as quick as possible but at yeah. the end of the day that's the sad reality of professional sports and fans sometimes fans are really really fucking shitty and they don't realize what someone actually truly meant to that organization and that team
0: yeah it's that it's one of those things where fans always want the world, you know, like they want, they want a championship ring every fucking season. And it's like, Hey, guess what? You're not going to get that. He got you six and you're booing him for not getting a potential seven. Like that is fans just want too much sometimes, which is understandable to a degree. Like, obviously you want to see your team win all the time, but at the same time, like that's unrealistic. That's not going to happen. But Next thing is sports news that we have a little bit of college football news here did you know there was a record set in college football today um cam McCormick tight end from Miami actually set the record for most like years in college football he is going to be start going on to his ninth season in college football in 2024 um how in the hell is this possible let me tell you he originally got or he originally started back in 2015. He was a number one tight end coming out of Oregon uh summit high school. And he got he went to, I believe, Oregon, redshirted in 2016. 2017, he played, made 13 appearances as a red shirt freshman for Oregon. 2018, sustained a season ending leg injury in Oregon's opening game. In 2019, he missed the entire season due to an injury. Um And was granted a sixth and a seventh year for previous injuries. Then 2020, as we know, was the COVID season. So it didn't count. No one lost eligibility for that year. Although he missed it anyway. He still didn't play in that season. He was injured. Um, In 2021, as a six-year redshirt sophomore. Yeah, sixth year redshirt sophomore. Uh, He appeared in two games and then suffered a season-ending injury for the fifth time. And then in 2020, he appeared in all 13 games. Uh, it shows some stats for his and stuff too, but he actually had, you know, a 2020 season. And then in 2023, he transferred to Miami where he also made 13 appearances again. So this dude has just been getting injured season after season after season. And is still just going on to like playing college football.
1: Dude, this is wild because you said 2016, right?
0: Yeah. 2016.
1: 2016 that- yeah. That is the year that you graduated high school right there. That's the year you graduated. I mean, I graduated you, in 2015, but 2016. Yeah,
0: well, you you graduated with him. Like he was in your graduating class because 2016 was his redshirt year.
1: Dude, that, that's even more crazy. He's as old as me and he's going on to his next year, last final year of college football. You got to think this guy is, well, one. NFL scouts are like, yeah, this guy's, like, not at all coming into the league. Uh, but what a way to ride out your college. I bet he, like, is close to a master's if he did it right. Oh, dude. Or at dude, least he has a master's.
0: We're talking nine seasons. I mean, you t- you're thinking four yeah. years of college standard, like – No, this man easily has a bachelor's, probably could have finished a master's. He might be fucking around starting a PhD right now if he's not just going back and getting, like, another bachelor's for some shit. That is such a long time to be in college. It is absurd.
1: That is wild. Um, I love it. I love it so much because, like, you don't see that very often. Uh, But I also hate it because, like, we talk about players – all the time. Are they like the Michael Penix argument was Michael Penix great this year because he was a great quarterback or was Michael Penix great this year because he's 25 years old playing 21 and 20 year olds. You know, it's that age old question with the COVID year and the red shirt and a medical red shirt. Like it's that age old question. Are you good? Because you're playing a lot of people younger than you. Are you good? It's like playing. It's like being a JV player. Uh like a senior playing JV. That's like yeah. the way I look at it because like well, he's got that a grown man strength at this point.
0: That's that's the biggest difference between some like big, big pro like in Alabama, Georgia, or you know, like one of those big SEC programs and some of the other smaller programs is when you have big, wildly successful programs like that, guys like to stick around, you know, like they want a fifth year, they wanna, you know, do what they can there, especially now that NIL is coming into the whole mix and everything. I, like I'm sure this McCormick is not getting any NIL money. He's been injured for half of his entire career, but still with the NIL, there's so many players that can stay in college and make way more than they ever will in their rookie contract in the NFL. So why not stay in college? But it hurts some of the smaller programs because you either one do graduate your guys, you know, like they stay for their four years, get their degree and they leave. They're gone. Now you're starting over again. Um, and yeah, that's, that's the struggle. Age makes a huge difference in that, especially in those developmental years of like 18 to 22. Like if you have a bunch of 22, 23-year-olds playing against 18, 19-year-olds, it's a no-brainer who's fucking winning the game. It's going to be the old man on
1: the field. For sure, 100%. And I think that goes back to everything you do. Like, I mean, age just makes you wiser. And we're talking about the oldest college football player let's talk about the newest, youngest NFL head coach and Jared Mayo taking over for Bill Belichick. How old is he? Jared Mayo is 37 years old, and he's taken over for Bill Belichick. So uh, he actually overtook Sean McVay as the youngest head coach. In the NFL now. Sean McVay was hired at 32, but he's been coaching for five years. And Jared Mayo is actually two months younger than Sean McVay. So... It's really cool to kind of see like Jared Mayo taking over, especially like when you look and you think about the Patriots, like Bill Belichick has been the head coach of the Patriots for 24 years, like 24 years of the same coach. And Jared Mayo is now 37 and taking the reins. And it's going to be exciting to see. It's a new era in New England. And one thing with Jared Mayo is he fits New England like a glove. The only team he ever played for in the NFL was for the New England Patriots. He played 11 years for the Patriots as a middle linebacker. And um, and now he's their head coach. And so it's kind of like a homegrown situation. Bill Belichick groomed this guy from a player, brought him onto the coaching staff after he retired. And now here is Jared Mayo going for this major aspect of what is like the new England Patriots. So I, it's going to be curious to see how he does in the future.
0: Definitely. this will be a really interesting kind of high. Cause yeah, you're going from like almost a polar opposite. Um, so he's not the youngest head coach to ever enter the NFL, but just the current, current youngest guy in as a head coach. Okay. But yeah, yeah, you're going from old Bill Belichick, down to like a nice little young buck, So that'll be a very interesting change. Maybe it's what the Patriots need. You know, like you talk about Bill Belichick being there for years and years and years and years. Well, so was Tom Brady, like Bill and Brady had each other. That's what made them good. Uh, after they lost Brady, they didn't do shit. So maybe they do need a new guy in there kind of uh, getting something going there with, do we even know that they're probably going to be searching for a quarterback in this draft? Aren't they?
1: Oh, a hundred percent. A lot so they picked third in the draft, and a lot of people are saying that it's gonna be Drake May or it's gonna be Jaden Daniels, or they could even trade up for Caleb Williams. So, like, there's gonna be a new quarterback paired with Jared Mayo, but how much different is it actually gonna be? Because, like I mentioned, like Jared Mayo was drafted by the Patriots. He was coached his whole entire career with New England and Bill Belichick and he's been an assistant coach under Bill Belichick. So everything Bill has done and he's taught Jared uh, Gerard Mayo everything he knows. So like we'll see how much different Patriot the Patriot way changes or if it's going to be the same as or different.
0: I don't know if the Patriot way changes any per se, but at the same time like you got to think people teach people new things every day, but that doesn't mean that they don't continue on and put their own style, put their own spin on things. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I'm going to get my order butchered here, but Socrates taught Aristotle. Aristotle came up with new shit after Socrates. You know, like Bill Belichick may have taught him everything he knows, but he's young. He's innovative. He has a younger viewpoint on everything everyone else is doing. He's probably going to be looking around the league. He's going to see a bunch of hot new shit that's going on. And he has the youth... And the understanding of I want to grow to be able to take all of Bill Belichick's lessons, throw in some of the newer, innovative, you know, stuff that needs to happen in today's NFL. And, you know, he's going to progress with it. I think that's the key thing we always talk about, like with some of these older guys and whatnot. The problem they start falling out with when they get older is they're not progressing like they would when they're young.
1: Which, yeah, you're 100 percent correct. Um, but yeah, it's going to be really cool to see what Mayo can do as the Patriots head coach. Uh, speaking of the former Patriots head coach, Bill Belichick, he has officially conducted his second interview with the Atlanta Falcons. And he there's rumors out there that he's likely to be the new head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. This, it's not official yet, but what are your thoughts?
0: This second interview with the Falcons was a one-on-one with their somebody, I don't know who it actually was. The GM, the owner and somebody. Arthur
1: Blank. Yeah. And he Arthur Blank, the owner. Uh, their owner.
0: The owner. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So, so it was a one-on-one with the owner. So you got to think that it, the odds are looking fairly likely that he's going to be in Atlanta and that's going to be a very interesting move. I think, Um, I don't know, something about the Patriots way and just bill Belichick. I don't, I don't know much about Atlanta per se or the Falcons. But it just, it doesn't feel right to me.
1: How funny. So you know how in job interviews, right? They always ask you, what is the greatest obstacle that you have ever overcome? How funny is it going to be when Bill Bill Belichick starts talking about when he was down 28 to three in the Super Bowl to the Atlanta Falcons and he overcame and won that game 31 to (laughs) 28. And Arthur Blank's going to stare at him and be like fuck you <laughs> like but it's such an oxymoron that he is probably going to be the Atlanta Falcons head coach and he's the one that the biggest comeback in Super Bowl history here he is coming to coach your team that destroyed your hopes and dream the closest that the Falcons have gotten in years to a Super Bowl champion and you're about to hire the guy that ruined it all for you it, oh I mean, it's like would, Aaron Rodgers being the Bears quarterback wouldn't,
0: wouldn't that just be like the perfect move though like, hey, this is the one dude who was able to end it all for us. Like, let's get him working on our side this time.
1: Oh, 100%. Like, I agree. Like, I love I love the move, especially because look at the playmakers. Like, if you look back at the New England Patriots, especially in their heyday, like, who did they have? They had a really great running back in Le- uh, LeGarrette Blunt, and they had two great tight ends and Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. And if you look at the Atlanta Falcons, their personnel is perfect. They have a really good running back in Bijan Robinson. They have two really good tight ends in Kyle Pitts and Johnny Smith. And so at the end of the day, like you look at it and it's like, I see why Bill Belichick wants to go to this team. And he might go get a veteran quarterback. There's a lot of rumors about the... Atlanta Falcons trading the eighth overall pick to the Chicago bears for Justin Fields and Bill Belichick and Justin Fields could be magical. It yeah, could be well. a magical thing in Atlanta.
0: Well, we'll have to see what, what ends up coming of all that then. But speaking of interviews and coaching hirings and the bears, Eber is going to remain the head coach in Chicago. I think we already mentioned that we said he's going to stay, but we are looking for a new offensive coordinator. Um, There's been a few different interviews going on, but there's a couple that look like they're the two kind of finalists for the position. One of them is Greg Roman, uh, former Ravens offensive coordinator, not this past season as he actually had a season off. So he was the Ravens offensive coordinator from last season. Um, And then next, Cliff Kingsbury, former Arizona head coach, currently at USC doing something. I don't know. Is he an OC at USC?
1: Yeah, he's the OC for the USC Trojans. Yeah. So, yeah, I so I get why they wanted to interview both those guys. I know you've mentioned in the past that you like the NFL head coaching experience, which you get with Cliff Kingsbury, right? But it's kind of perfect how it transpired because Greg Roman has came out this past year on radio shows and ESPN and says that he's a major advocate for Justin Fields. He thinks Justin Fields just needs to be unlocked.
0: Yeah, which is should be obvious from like, look at who, who have we compared, compared Justin Fields to ever since we got him in Chicago. There's one guy we talk about all the time trying to compare with Justin Fields. It's Lamar Jackson. You know who Greg Roman was the offensive coordinator for Lamar Jackson. Like that is the perfect matchup to have with Fields. Uh, He would truly be the guy that if Fields was truly, truly going to make it big in the NFL, he would be the one that could get him there, which is why I actually would go against the standpoint of former head coach within Cliffs Kingsbury, just for two reasons. One, he was the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Wasn't exactly doing great down there. So eh, don't necessarily love that. Ravens on the other hand, were killing it and quarterback comparison. Just awesome. Secondarily, like you said, Greg Roman's a huge advocate for Justin Fields. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury currently on USC staff is probably going to bring one certain USC quarterback that is going to be the number one overall pick, which the Bears currently have. He's going to be an advocate for that guy coming to Chicago should we hire him. So this, this OC position almost seems like it's going to end up being the ultimate fate of who's the quarterback in Chicago. This hire is going to determine like what happens there on out.
1: For sure. And let's break down a little bit more of like both guys. So Greg Roman, you mentioned, so from 2019 to 2022, Lamar Jackson took off in 2019, won his first MVP. That was Greg Roman's doing, right? Prior to that, 2016 to 2019, Greg Roman was the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. You know who else he developed in Buffalo? Josh Allen. And prior to that, He was the offensive coordinator from 2011 to 2015 with the San Francisco 49ers. You know who he developed in San Francisco? Colin Kaepernick, which he led him to the Super Bowl with Greg Roman's help. And then prior to that, in college, he followed Jim Harbaugh from Stanford to San Francisco. But in Stanford, he was the developing factor of Andrew Luck. So he has four quarterbacks. Four great quarterbacks that he has developed and unlocked to their highest potential. So, totally respect Greg Roman and everything he's done in the NFL. He's hit on every single quarterback he has had, and they are all—they were all t- at the top of their game at one point. On the flip side, Cliff Kingsbury, and I'm not saying he has—he d- he did a good job with Kyler Murray he did a really decent job in Arizona. Kyler Murray looked pretty decent with Cliff Kingsbury. He didn't look as good this year, but that's because he didn't have Cliff Kingsbury. So Kyler Murray, he did okay. And then on the flip side, though, too, is Cliff Kingsbury was the head coach of Texas Tech, and he developed Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech. So you got two quarterbacks, Cliff Kingsbury knows how to develop, but you got Greg Roman that's developed for And arguably, if you're keeping Justin Fields, Justin Fields looks a lot like Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Colin Kaepernick. On his worst day, he looks like Colin Kaepernick. Let's be honest. On his worst day, he looks like like Colin Kaepernick was a running quarterback. Some days he was good at passing. The only quarterback he's not as comparable to is Andrew Luck. But Andrew Luck could still move. Like, I think at the end of the day, man, like, if you're right. If it comes down to... Who are you keeping in Chicago? If you hire Greg Roman, Justin Fields is here to stay. If you hire Cliff Kingsbury, welcome to Chicago, Caleb Williams.
0: Yeah, and that being said, I think I think we both know who we're kind of pulling to win this job at the moment. Uh, Greg Roman would be an awesome addition to Chicago. Absolutely would love to see it. Keeping Justin, I, I don't want Caleb Williams. You know, I wouldn't no. hate drafting a quarterback and seeing what they can do and all that jazz, but not if it's Caleb Williams. I don't want, I don't care if he's good. I don't even care if he's good. He can come to the NFL. He can ball out. Bears can match up against him in the super bowl with wherever the fuck he goes and lose. To I don't even give a shit. I don't like Caleb Williams. I don't want him in Chicago. Greg Roman, please accept the job. Bears hire him enthusiastically. Let's get Justin Rowland and see what we can do with a like cap- capable coordinator.
1: For sure, 100%, and I think we're both on the same page there. Justin Fields, meet Greg Roman, ball out, learn how to be what we know and what we've kind of seen from you. Like, we need that. We need Greg Roman in Chicago.
0: Speaking of NFL, we will go ahead and move into our NFL recap. We had our wild card rounds uh, in the playoffs. First matchup we'll talk about here, number five Browns versus number four Texans. Uh, Texans killed them absolutely killed him 45 to 15. Um, not quite, not, we talked about our previous episode a little bit. We're going to see inexperience matching up versus experience here. And God damn did inexperience win, uh, CJ Stroud is just an absolute goat. And honestly, I wouldn't be entirely surprised if he doesn't go on and win another
1: dude. Honestly, CJ Stroud is balling out this year. Um, And it's unreal to see from a rookie quarterback. And this is one thing I want to talk about. And it kind of goes back to the Justin Fields and Caleb Williams and not in favor of Justin Fields, but like when you look at quarterbacks like CJ Stroud and Jordan Love, like it's almost easier to choose a quarterback like Caleb Williams because both teams moved on from their current starters and here they are balling out at a young age. Right. So like in a flip way, but back to the Texans game, like, he just looked incredible. Every ball he hit, he looked cool, calm, under pressure. Um, and the last three playoff games for CJ Stroud, he's had th- over 300 yards and four TDs dating back to college, two in college and one in the NFL. And that's just insane to see from CJ Stroud. And I, co- I, dude, I hope they go out and beat the Ravens next week. That would be insane.
0: I no, I would love to see it. i I don't know what it is about CJ Stroud that I just, I, I do like CJ Stroud. I, I have some sort of like a fandom for him and I really don't understand why. I, I don't think it's the Justin connection. It's not even like the Ohio state Justin connection for me. It's just the pure fact of like when he replaced Justin at Ohio state, I was like, damn, all right, this, this kid can play. Like he stepped in when Justin got hurt and he filled his shoes wonderfully like as a freshman or something, whatever he was. But yeah. So I, I love him. I love seeing him do so good in the NFL. And yeah, I, I would love him to kind of beat the Ravens. Not going to lie, but uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Next game, number six, Dolphins versus number three, Chiefs. Uh, This was a fucking cold one. Um, Chiefs ended up winning it 26 to seven, um, I know we talked about it just before the game. I don't know if we mentioned it on the pod. We kind of foresaw that coming with the temperature being below zero. Wasn't it? It was freezing there. Um, I am glad I'm not at that game.
1: Yeah, no kidding. I'm looking it up right now. If it was the coldest game ever, because I heard there was talks. So at kickoff, the game was minus 27 degrees with the windshield minus seven degrees It was the fourth coldest game in NFL history. Fourth coldest game ever, which is insane. Um, The one thing with this game is that the Chiefs didn't even look that great. The Dolphins just couldn't get anything going. And we talked about that. We talked about the weather was going to play a crucial role in this game, and it did. Like, at the end of the day, like, you can't beat cold. You can't beat, uh, like, the environment. Like, and if you're not used to playing in cold weather, you're screwed. And at the end of the day, Tua did not look good in this game.
0: I honestly think that this game is a complete flip flop. If you play it down in Miami, if this is a warm weather game, if you know, both teams are kind of on equal level, or even if they were in a dome or something like that, I, I don't know if I'd say complete flip flop, but I think dolphins might come away with this game. Cause like you said, chiefs did not play great. They haven't been playing great. They're about to go get their absolute asses kicked by the bills. Um, I don't, just, I don't fuck with the Chiefs right now. The Chiefs look awful. I don't like them. I don't think they're a good team. I love McDaniels. I, I'm dis, I'm sad. I'm upset about this game. I, I understand the cold may or may not have played a factor. I, well, definitely played a factor. If it would have changed the outcome as far as who wins, I don't know 100%. But I'll tell you this. It would have been a much more interesting game if this would have been a warm weather
1: game. For sure. And like the other aspect of this game, and you mentioned it last podcast, is when you get into a coaching battle and when it's a cold weather game like that, you get into a coaching battle. You got to take the guy with the experience and the guy that's been doing it longer. And the guy that was doing it longer in the experience was Andy Reid. And he had a great game plan. He suffocated Tua. Tua made mistakes. Tyreek Hill was shut down besides that one touchdown and the Chiefs came away with the win. And that's what a head coach does when you're good at your job. And that's what Andy Reid did.
0: And that's the difficulty though, too, from a coaching standpoint being in the cold weather like that is look at what the Dolphins are. Like look at the identity of the Dolphins as a team. When we talk about the Dolphins, who do we talk about constantly? Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Tua Tunglevoa, like We talk about those three guys. You know what those three guys are involved in? The fucking pass game. You know who we never talk about? The running backs for the Dolphins. I don't know if I could even name a running back for the Dolphins right now. Because what has won them and what has gotten them all their fame and glory is their pass game. Uh, You put things in freezing, freezing temperatures and make it snowy as shit. And guess what? It's really fucking hard to do pass the damn ball. So from a coaching standpoint, like this shit has to be easy. This it's so easy to think, Oh, all they can really do is pass. All they really can do in this weather is run the ball. We're going to fucking kill them
1: for sure. And at the end of the day, they did like they controlled the clock and they did. But that running back, Devin agent, he's a rookie Yeah. and he ran for 200 yards on the Broncos. Um, but, yeah, and so, I mean, he, he can run a little bit, you know, 200 yards in one game, that's pretty impressive. But uh, still, and it also comes to experience, too, like what we mentioned. Patrick Mahomes has more playoff experience than Tua Tagalova. Um And Mike McDaniels doesn't have as much playoff experience. And there's one more factor I want to talk about in this game, and then we can move on. It's the Chase Claypool effect. We heard about it here. We know all about the Chase Claypool effect. You ready to hear some crazy statistics with Chase Claypool? Back in 2021 with the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Steelers were 11 and 1 when Chase Claypool became healthy that year. They finished the year 1 and 5. He got traded to Chicago the next year. Chicago started off with Chase Claypool as a 3 and 13 football team last year in 1 and 4 this year with Chase Claypool. You know what Chicago finished the year up? 7-5 and five without Chase Claypool. Miami Dolphins started the year at 8-2 and two without Chase Claypool. They traded for Chase Claypool. They finished the year, I think it was 1-7. 1-7. And, and, and so at the end of the day, it's the Chase Claypool effect. He's a toxic human being for your football team. Get that man off the Miami Dolphins or you're going to be just as bad as Chicago Bears last year. So, I don't
0: understand. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand why they picked him up at all. Like when I saw he was in Miami, I was like, "The fuck is this man doing on a field?" Like why? Why, why is he there? Why does Miami of all teams take him?
1: Like they don't need receivers? They have fucking receivers. What are they doing? He's going to Dude, he's going to be a great XFL wide receiver someday. Oh, probably. Or the United Football League. Yeah, United Football League because they combined XFL and the United States Football League. So it's the UFL now and Chase Claypool will probably be the number 1 pick and that because no other team's going to take a shot on him in the NFL.
0: No, not after not. his track record. Definitely not. Next game we got going on, a heartbreaking one. Uh Packers versus Cowboys. I don't know how it fucking happened, but the Packers pulled this one off all too fucking well. Final score was only 48 to 32, but let's be real, the Packers kicked the shit out of the Cowboys. What the fuck, Cowboys? <laughs>
1: Can I tell you something, and I haven't admitted this to anybody, but is it bad that I kind of like Jordan Love as a Bears fan? Like, I actually genuinely like the guy. And I hate that I say that, but I, I hate that he's a good quarterback and he's turning into a good quarterback, but he's a good dude. At the end of the day, we talk about Justin Fields being a good dude. Jordan Love is a good dude. Before this game, he literally helped like two or three people out of the ditch in Green Bay out of the snow. When he never really had to, and he took selfies and signed autographs for these guys after he helped them out of the ditch, I hate that. I like Jordan Love as a person, and maybe it's because it's a breath of fresh air from what they had in Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay, and he was just a mean, toxic old man. I think and- that's a
0: big. I think that's a big chunk of it because the, I think the biggest thing I ever had with Rodgers, I I didn't like the Packers because of the bears rivalry and all of that stuff you know obviously we want to be the packers but like my roommate in college was a packers fan four years so you know we'd watch the bears packers game and just like it was the most civil thing you could have seen you know like we're like oh like we're just watching football and i never really had a huge huge problem with it until the fucking like i own you comment when rogers started running his mouth Started doing the whole I own you shit. That's when it started getting a real heated for me. That's when I became a true, true. I want to watch the Packers go 0 and fucking 17. Um, So Jordan Love being an actual nice guy, I still have that burn from Rodgers, that hatred there that he built for me. But at the same time, like that helps out. You know, him being a good dude off the field is fine. And at the same time, I think it honestly helps out with the argument of when Rogers leaving, I almost said I was slightly upset, right? Because I wanted to see the day that Justin Fields overtook Rogers, especially after the whole, I own you comments. But if Jordan love is actually going to go do really good things for the Packers, and they're actually going to have like a really solid team to compete with. I think it only makes it that much better. If the when, when, and if I, I don't know which one I want to say the bears actually get their shit together and start reversing that role. It'll be so much more satisfying beating up on a really highly competitive, good team than beating up on a team. That's just shit, but we hate them. So we're all proud
1: about it for sure. And I think you're spot on, on what, with what you just said. Um, The other thing with it too, is the Packers are just, I don't know how they fucking do it. I, I, I truly don't like, I mean, they have the system down perfectly. They keep their starting quarterback for 16 years, but they draft a new rookie at year 13, let them sit for three to four years under them, and then move them into the spotlight. And they're ready to go. Like, they're really good at coaching guys up. It's almost like a college system. Like a really good college system, like a Nick Saban type Alabama next guy, next guy up mentality. They never falter at the quarterback position or even the wide receiver position because Bo Milton has stepped up. I thought that guy was Greg Jennings out there, like, or Jordy Nelson. Like he looks really good. Romeo Dobbs, same thing. And against the Cowboys, I'm sorry, but the Cowboys are a regular season football team. That's all they are. They're never gonna be a playoff postseason football team, and a lot of lot to do with it is Mike McCarthy. And I'll go one step further. One of my friends, Phil, that we've had on this show, the reason he stopped being a Cowboys fan is because of Jerry Jones too. And they're never going to change until they change the ownership and they change their head coach and they change their whole dynamic because they're still living in the 90s. They think just because we went 12 and 5 this year or 12 and 4 this year, we deserve something because you just got your shit kicked in by the seventh seed that limped into the playoffs. At one point, the Green Bay Packers were 2 and 5 on the year. They looked like they were in stakes for like a Caleb Williams or a Drake May. Well, they flipped it around and you came down to Dallas and they kicked the shit out of you.
0: Yeah. That's gotta be embarrassing. And the Cowboys definitely need a major revamp in the front off. They've got solid players. The team is definitely not the issue whatsoever, but they need a huge revamping in the administrative side of things. Uh, let's get through these next few games. Sure. We got going on here too. We've got, Number six Rams versus number three Lions. The Lions did come down 24-23. Won it by a crazy game. I think this was probably the best game we actually had of all these first round matchups. This game was the most entertaining, the closest game. I loved watching it. And the Lions representing NFC North, because fuck the Packers, moving on into the next round. Love to see it.
1: Dude, um, Jared Goff had a game of his life against his old coach and his old team. I loved it. Like, and not even just Jared Goff. That defense came to play. Dan Campbell made great plays. He, uh, his team executed it at the perfect level. And David Montgomery balled out also. Like, it was, like, everything you want to see. And I'm not even saying Sam Laporta scored a touchdown after he was, like, supposed to not play during this game because he was on the injury report. And uh, the beautiful thing when they, when Sam scored that touchdown, did you see Dan Skipper running in screaming at the ref? I'm eligible. I'm eligible. It was no, like a beautiful thing. Oh, it was, it was a beautiful thing. Like I think Chris Collinsworth was joking about it all night because of it. Uh, he's like, yeah, Dan Skipper really wanted to make sure like he was eligible on this play. But, um, But then Sam Laporta, they didn't even throw to him. Sam Laporta was wide open in the back of the end zone. And you got to think, was that Dan Campbell like being like, hey, I want you to make it known that you're eligible because then they're going to take the attention off Sam Laporta and bring it on you? I I would guess maybe. I don't know. It's really hard to say. Like
0: there could be somewhat of a genuine look to it of like, hey, you are eligible for this. Like you might get the ball and just in the quarterback's progression, it ended up being in Laporta's hands. But I could also see a very high probability that he was just being a little bit of an asshole and was like, Hey, go report is eligible. And like, just absolutely scream at the ref that you are eligible. You know, I, I could see him doing something like that, even though like maybe the quarterback's first read was Laporta coming across the middle, but for sure, either way, it was, it's funny as shit to hear about. (laughs) Like, that's great. I love it when people do shit like that. Um, but yeah, this everybody was playing great. The Lions, they look like such a team. I think we've been saying it all seasons, but the Lions just look like an absolutely te- unit to be reckoned with right now. Um, the Rams put up a really solid fight, only losing it by one game. I'm sure that covers the spread. I don't know what it is, but it's got to be at least one, so they got to cover it. But still, I like that the Lions came out on top, and I like that this was an actual game so many of these games were just yeah. wild blowouts and the playoffs kind of sucked.
1: Yeah. Which, yeah, it was a great game to watch. I like watch this the whole, whole game through. Um, one of the major things with this game too, man, is it's just the lions haven't won a playoff game since 1994. And so just seeing that, like, I did it. Like we did it for the city of Detroit. There was a story that came out with uh Ron St. Brown, uh, St. Brown that a lady literally, he was pumping gas at a gas station in Detroit. A lady came up to him in tears and said, Hey, I've been waiting for this my whole life. And you guys finally won. Thank you so much. And then uh, St. Brown was like, no, thank you guys. And they both ended up in tears. He said that on his pod earlier this week. And I was like, Oh my God. Like, and that like, at the end of the day, we talked about the Jerry Krause and like the shitty fan, but at the same time, fans really like things like this. When the lions win a playoff game in 30 years, it makes you think like, holy shit, this is awesome. But yeah, yeah. go lions. Um, I, I love it.
0: I absolutely love to see it. Um, and hope I want to see him win more. I want to see him keep on going just because they play the Bucs next. And I don't really care about the Bucs. But speaking of the next game, uh, we've got number seven Steelers was number two Bills. This was also a very, very cold game. I don't know if this one wasn't as cold as the Chiefs game, I'm pretty sure. But the snow. So first off with this game, this game was supposed to be played at noon on Sunday. It actually Sunday. ended up yeah on Sunday. But it got moved to 3:30 on Monday because the snow was so horrible there. I don't know if you saw it all, but there were actual videos of fans going to their seats, just like the snow was above the seats and they were just scooping out waves of snow as they're like walking through the aisle, trying to get to their seat and shit. It looked like chaos out there uh, just in the stands, but uh, bills ended up winning it 31 to 17. I think we kind of expected that to happen. Steelers made a miraculous comeback at the end of the season to get in but ultimately, they weren't that solid of a team. And the Bills have been heating up very much lately, uh, no pun intended. But what were your thoughts on this game?
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't got much. I just knew Buffalo was going to pull this one off. And they look good doing it. And Josh Allen broke away for like a 54-yard run in this game. There was a little bit of controversy on the uh, like, fake slide. He did a Kenny Pickett fake slide and then kept running for a touchdown. And so there was a little bit of controversy, but like this game was never that close. So like, it doesn't really matter. The bills still would have won that game regardless. So go Buffalo, man. Like I'm excited to see Buffalo keep moving in these playoffs.
0: So am I. Um, and then the last game we've got to recap here, Eagles versus bucks. Uh, I think we all once again, expected this. I'm pretty sure we both said it last week. Eagles are falling apart. Bucks are getting on a hot streak, and sure shit did that show in this game. Uh, the Bucks won it thirty-two to nine. I don't know what the Eagles' issue is, but holy fuck, do they need to get their shit together?
1: Yeah, no this this game was insane. Um, Baker Mayfield was on fire during this game, three touchdowns over three hundred and fifty yards. And dude, you gotta love Baker Mayfield, <laughs> like from what he went through in Cleveland and Cleveland trading him away, then going and having a really shitty season in Carolina to Tampa Bay. And it's like a prove it deal. Like you get us to the playoffs, we'll give you a long-term contract and you can be our starting quarterback. Not only did he get them to the playoffs, he beat the defending NFC champions from last year. Of course the Eagles kind of sucked at the end of the year, but Tampa Bay, man, the last five games, they've been rolling. They almost beat the Bills like late in the year on a last second Hail Mary. And so like Tampa Bay is a team to watch out for. And I like Baker and it couldn't happen to a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield, but it's a beautiful sight to see.
0: Same. And this, they're going to be in a good matchup to see just how good they are too. I've always fucked with Baker. I love Baker. Yeah. Yeah biggest thing I miss about him being with the Browns right now is just I don't get to see the My House commercials anymore. You know, <laughs> like the whole – I I thought those were the funniest shit. Of all the different commercials we see like in the NFL and shit, honestly, I think those were some of my favorites.
1: For sure. I, I hope they bring him back in Tampa Bay to say, that oh, I moved. I moved to Tampa Bay. Here we go. <laughs> like, that would be, that oh would be my so- God.
0: I can just see the first one right now. It's like him handing off the keys to fucking Deshaun or some shit and like driving down to Tampa Bay or whatever. Like I can just see it right now. I, that'd be hilarious. They need to do that. But <laughs> getting in to the next week's matchups that we have coming down here, two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday division around first matchup. Number one, Ravens taking on the number four Texans. Um, that's gonna be Saturday at three thirty. Texans are hot, and I love it. But I mean, the Ravens are a real, real solid team. I think at the end of the day, I kind of expect the Ravens to win. But I'm gonna be
1: rooting hard for the Texans, probably. For sure. Well, and kind of me too. Um, I do like the Ra- I do like the Texans, and I love CJ Stroud, and he's had a great year. But he's also a rookie, and he's next up.
0: But it doesn't mean he has
1: to be next up. Yeah, that's true. But that doesn't mean he has to be next up right now. The guy that's actually supposed to be next up is Lamar Jackson, man, and the Ravens. Like, Lamar has looked great all year. Like, the Ravens' defense is firing. I want to cheer for Roquan Smith. I want to cheer for Baltimore. And I think Baltimore has, if they beat the Texans, they have a damn good shot at winning the whole damn thing, and I would love to see Baltimore win the whole damn thing.
0: Definitely. If, if they get past this round, I think they have a real, real good shot, at least competing in the Super I don't know about winning the whole thing. I kind of like the 49ers for the whole thing, but I think definitely... They played be- earlier in the year. Great. That's they did play in- earlier in the
1: year.
0: You know who else played earlier in the year? Fucking everybody, and the scores were flipped from what they are now. I don't give a shit. Okay. <laughs> but right. um, The biggest thing with this game is, I think it's going to come a little bit more down to the Texans defense is going to have to work, right? Because they're going against Lamar. That's going to be the differential factor. The Browns had the number one defense in the NFL. CJ Stroud already proved that he can drop 40 plus points on the number one defense in the NFL. So honestly, Stroud competing against the Ravens, not wildly concerned about it. What I am concerned about is the Texans defense being able to stop Lamar. Because that's going to be yeah. where the key comes in. Can you stop Lamar and give Stroud the actual chance to outscore the Ravens? So that'll be a really interesting matchup to see. I'm looking forward to it. Also looking forward to our next game, Packers versus 49ers. I think this one has to be obvious, right? 49ers have to take this one. Oh, dude. From Packers. Yeah.
1: I... yeah.
0: Yeah. There's no. The 49ers have been dominant over the Packers in the playoffs for the last, I don't know how many years. Also, that is just one absolute stacked team right there. And the Packers are young. Like, let's be real. I, they have the youngest roster of all the NFL teams. The 49ers, a lot of their guys have been there, done that. George Kittle is a pro bowler. Uh, Debo Samuels, a stud. Uh, just fucking every. McCaffrey. I can't even think of half their names. There's too many to name off. But I. I got I got to think that if the Packers actually pull this off, I'm going to be devastated.
1: For sure. Yeah, no, I, I want the 49ers to win this too. Uh, the only reason I don't necessarily want the 49ers and I'm not saying I don't, but like, I think it would be cool to see a Packers versus Lions NFC championship in Detroit. I think that would be insane to see. Um, but no, I think uh the 49ers are gonna pull this off. I mean, there's too many players I really enjoy. Brock Purdy, George Kittle, as you mentioned. Like, they just got those guys, man. Like the 49ers, I really enjoy the 49ers. So hopefully the 49ers can beat the brakes off Green Bay. And the thing is, Green Bay, like you guys had a good year. You weren't even supposed to make the playoffs. So be proud of that. You want a playoff game. And you come back next year and you'll probably kick the Chicago Bears' asses again. And we'll be devastated, but, you know, it'll be fine.
0: <laughs> let's let's hope we at least split with them next year. But right. this game is going to be happening Saturday at 7.15 p.m., so it'll be the night game. Then the next day, Sunday, 2 p.m., we've got the Bucks versus the Lions. Once again, pulling for the Lions here. If there's an Iowa tight end playing, I'm probably rooting for the Iowa tight end. Um, not only that, but Iowa State, David Montgomery, Jack Campbell, Iowa linebacker, The Lions are just Iowa in the NFL right now. Um, I want to see the Lions pull this off. Can you imagine they just won their first playoff game in decades? How crazy would it be to go on a fucking playoff run right off the bat? Not just win one game,
1: but fucking potentially compete in the Super Bowl? That would be epic. It would be like one of the best things that I've seen in my lifetime. Um, But imagine this matchup. Jack Campbell blitzing and Tristan Wirfs picking up that blitz Iowa on Iowa because that's what we're about to see this week um and it'll be really cool to see um but I do I gotta go back to the quarterback matchup two guys that their teams gave up on them and here they are like with their new teams like Baker Mayfield and Jared Goff they've had a similar career arc Like both teams were, uh, both players were drafted number one by their original team. Both teams gave up on them probably earlier than they should have. And here they are. And I really enjoy that. To be honest, this is one of those games that I am not mad who wins. Like I really am pulling for the Lions. But if the Bucs come out and somehow beat Detroit, I'm not going to be pissed off. Then we're going to see Baker Mayfield one game away from the Super Bowl. Like that would be epic to see. So I don't know. Like, I think that's like the silver lining in this game. If for some reason the Lions do falter, it would be really cool to see like Baker like one game away from the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, I definitely wouldn't mind ba- seeing Baker make that arc too. Like I said, I've always kind of liked Baker. I was a little disappointed with the Browns, let him go. Uh, that being said, I'm obviously rooting for the Lions in this one. I want to see the Lions win it. But at the end of the day, I won't be upset if Baker ends up taking this one home. And last matchup we got Sunday at 5.30, which is kind of a weird time because it's like not the night game, but it also is. Uh, Number three Chiefs versus number two Bills. This one, I know I said it earlier in the episode, I want the Bills to beat the living shit out of the Chiefs. I don't think the Chiefs are all that hot this year. I don't really like them. I was down on the Bills earlier in the season. I definitely did not have high thoughts whatsoever about the Bills, but They have been proving me wrong in this latter half of the season. They have gotten their shit together, and they are on a roll currently. So, Bills, give the Chiefs hell. Let's see a blowout.
1: For sure, 100%. I hope the Bills can pull this off. I really love Josh Allen. I think this is probably his best shot to win a Super Bowl this year. I think, like, to be honest, the two best teams right now, or three best teams right now, is probably the Ravens, Bills, and the 49ers. Like, I think those three are actually the the best quality all-around teams left in these playoffs. So I think it would be really cool to see the Bills kind of pull this off. I do want to see your actual prediction. Like, I'm not who you think, but who's going to be in the AFC championship by the end of this week and who's going to be in the NFC. Like, who you like, but who you actually think.
0: Who I actually think will be in the championship. So, like... So just picking who's winning each of these games is what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Not who you like. Take all biases aside, but who you
0: think. I can't take all biases aside. But uh, this this sounds super lame, but I have to go with the seating pretty much. Ravens, Niners, Lions, Bills.
1: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, Ravens versus – or the Bills versus the Ravens, and then the Lions versus the 49ers. All right, you ready for mine?
0: Let's this hear. This is who
1: I truly, truly think. I think, I think Chiefs, Ravens, versus Niners, Bucks. I think for some reason I got a feeling Bucks are going to pull this off. I really love Detroit, but it's hard to stop a team with momentum, and the Bucks are now on six games straight of winning. Like it's hard to stop. I And like you've mentioned it before, the shoes got to drop at one point or another, but I don't see it dropping right now. I see it dropping in the NFC championship, but I think the Bucks pair up very well with the Detroit Lions a lot better than they would against the 49ers.
0: That is fair, but only time will tell. We will tell you guys after this weekend until then. Please go like, subscribe, support the pod in any way you want to. Uh, we are starting to wind down with football. Ironically, as things ramp up a little bit, but got fewer and fewer games going on. So don't be surprised if these episodes start getting a little more mix and match with some basketball thrown in there, some other sports, some more general, just head coaching news, sports news, all sorts of things. But we're going to, we're going to do things a little bit differently. than we did last season, I think. So I'm looking forward to what we got coming post football this year. But until then, Stay tuned, and Avery, sign us off.
1: Yeah, guys, I got two words to say, and that's it. Bear down.